Well, just before I rang the bell, I opened my eyes and looked around the room. It was a pretty inspiring sight, for me at least, to see you sitting here, upright, meditating, eyes closed. I don't know what was going on in your minds, but your bodies expressed an in beautiful intention, an engagement. How many places in the world can you go and see 40 people sitting intent, quiet, maybe focused, but with this purpose that we're doing here. I was kind of in, struck in awe of how special this was, how special this is. And uh, so I, I want to thank you for that. I was kind of unexpected to open my eyes and have this wonderful sight. And, and I had this um, kind of sense of, you know, reading in these ancient, ancient texts from the Bronze Ages, their earliest Buddhist sutras, and, uh, and how people would gather in these forest groves and under trees together as a community. And there are descriptions of them sitting at night and sitting so still and so quiet and focused and not a sound would come out of them. And I thought, wow, you all, we all sitting here we're in a lineage. We have this like ancient, you know, lineage of meditators and practitioners and teachers and of people who've been doing this now for 2,500 years. And now it's our turn to do it. That's kind of, kind of the stream passes through us as it does many other people in the present time and around the globe. And, uh, but this is our moment, this is our time to kind of share in this wonderful lineage of practitioners, hopefully people who are dedicated and awake and compassionate and at least have the intention to do so and to sit here. So thank you, this was great. And this is just the beginning. So we'll see where this goes. So welcome to the meditation hall. This is kind of the, you know, the home within the home for this week. And um, I very much hope that you feel this is a kind of home within a home, a place to be feel comfortable, it's your place. And um, a couple of maybe a little small logistical things is that um, these chairs that we have, if they don't work for you, you're welcome to uh, uh, bring other chairs into here. In the little closet just past the water fountains there, just before the men's bathroom, there's uh, more of those black mesh chairs like we have in the dining room, if you want to bring them in here. And those uh, turquoise chairs on rollers downstairs in the community room, uh, you're welcome to bring those up here, put them in the elevator and bring them up, if that, those chairs work better for you. So, you know, just or some chair in your room works better, you know something just we want you whatever you're welcome to bring anything up here and um, I think that's the only and then if you're a practice leader and maybe this was told to you already if you're one of the people who's going to sit up here uh, after you ring the chimes and to bring people back to the meditation hall for sitting uh, then you can either sit where I'm sitting 
or you can sit near the chair here and bring the chair closer and, and uh, you can move the bell to the edge here so it's close by there's clocks up here and uh, but if you've never rang this bell before you might want to come during breakfast or breakfast break or lunch break and, and just when no one else is in here just try it out the, the what happens some people have never hit it before they think they're hitting it lightly but it's a very sensitive bell and it can be a big clang so it's what what you it's better to do is start off doing it really really soft and like just touch it or something um, and you can always build it you know louder and louder until you think it's loud enough but once you've had the clang you kind of can't undo it and, uh, and maybe those of you who are going to sit up here, maybe you'll have the same inspiration that I had uh, when looking out and this evening at all of you sitting here. And finally, um, the aspiration of the center is to be a place where everyone feels welcome. And uh, for some reason that's not the case, or we say something that changes that, let us know so we can try to live up to our aspiration. So it means that no matter what your background, your ethnic background or racial background or your gender or sexual orientation or political party or um, your physical abilities, mental ability situation, whether or not you have a police record, all kinds of things that people come in situations in groups like this and they feel like, oh, maybe I don't quite belong, I can't really admit who I am or something. So we want all of you to feel welcome here. and That's, that's certainly our aspiration. And, um, and I'm very happy you're all here. Thank you. You know, it's, um, it's really um, a gift to, um, you know, to come to a place like this and in community to, to sit together, to get to know our minds and um, to um, see how it is that we're cultivating a, a path of freedom. And in welcoming, welcoming all of us, um, there's also the welcoming and the acknowledgement of the land, the land where this retreat center is, nature, the trees, the earth, the water, and also past generations that were here, other people that were here before us, Dolani people, other people that lived here before this retreat uh, became into existence. So acknowledging, acknowledging how also the land and not also, not only the lineage of practitioners that um, uh, have been supporting us in one way or another and that now we're part of that lineage, but any other people that are also here um, because of the impact that they had in this land and um, in, you know, all the conditions that brought us here. So I want to acknowledge that and acknowledge also with 
a spirit of uh, generosity and gratitude. Everyone that um, made possible for each of us to be here. You know, maybe someone is taking care of your dog or cat or fish or hamster or a bird or, I don't know, your significant other maybe is taking care of your children while you're practicing here or your parents. Um, all the volunteers from the very beginning of this retreat to, um, to you know, to be to be um, kind of in the on the website on the list, uh, but all volunteers, registrar, um, everyone that is supporting us, much gratitude, um, really touched by the generosity. Um, <coughs> and so, um, Gil, are we doing the precepts now? We or we start with the theme. Oh, what? Okay, and then we'll go. Okay, 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 great. So the theme, <laughs> the theme of of the retreat. Uh, what we're going to be practicing uh, with this uh, this week is the hindrances. So, um, you know, even if we have uh, sat one time, you know, just meditated, one time we may have noticed that... Um, that there are different different things that happen in our minds. You know, there may be thoughts, but there are also uh, some other visitors. There are forces, different forces, that sometimes even with our best um, intention, uh, take our attention away uh, from that intention and that um, hampering one way or another um, our capacity to be mindful, our um, development of concentration, or even seeing things clearly, you know? And uh, these forces, you know, you may be sitting quietly and you know, out of the blue, there may be in different levels of intensity, maybe a strong force or maybe a little, you know, a weak force, but still, enough um, enough uh, strength to take away our attention. Um, it's almost like take us like it's like a vacuum sometimes that takes that mindfulness <laughs> and that's it. It's like what happened? <laughs> you know what happened? I was mindful and so. These forces are called, uh, like I said, um, the hindrances. And classically, um, there are five five hindrances that are that are known that um, we will go through them and we'll practice with them throughout the week. And um, you know, the Buddha 
disciples, all that lineage that Gil mentioned, you know, they probably practiced with the hindrances. Is part of our human experience, is part of um, our meditation practice, and is part of daily life too. So is is um, is something that um, not to be taken as if is something that we're doing um, incorrectly, or that you know is like oh. You know, like a fa- some we're failing or something like that. No, it's is part is is part of um, our experience. It's another another object to practice with in our meditation practice and in our daily lives. And so we uh, during this week we will see how it is that we can get 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 to practice with them get to know them well because it is easier it is easier to um be free from something that you know well that you befriend in one way or another that you can uh, be with in a respectful way you know kind of in a respectful way, and and then uh, as we get to know these different forces, we also get to understand that we have choice. We start seeing that that we may be able to to choose how to engage with them, and we will see that we will see that as we practice together. So there are five hindrances. The first four are paired. Um, uh, the first two are paired. The second two are are paired, and um, they're paired maybe because um, they share in one way or another some um, relation in terms of um, their physical and mental aspects. So we will practice with uh, sensual desire and. Um, aversion, those are the first two, and um, they they relate actually because they want something but in an opposite way. So we will see how how it is that we want something um, to get something or to push something, and then we have the other two which are um, actually these two um, are, are described by two words, each of them, sloth and torpor. And then we have anxiety and um, restlessness and worry, restlessness, worry, regret. And so this, this pair um, is interesting because they also relate like in levels of energy. You know, there's high energy, restlessness, and um, worry, regret, and then there's low energy, sloth, and torpor. And then we also, we will explore the fifth one, uh, which is doubt, which really it's not like, um, it doesn't relate to the others, but 
it gets intertwined in one way or the other with the other ones. So um, we will practice with them and um, you know, as we um, sit and walk and um, become aware of them, there may be some times that we also uh, will become aware of other um, positive qualities. It's not only the hindrances that we experience in our meditation practice. So there may be other uh, positive qualities too that we may recognize and that we will uh, bring for our support. So that's kind of the map for um, for the week. Um, let's see if there's anything. I think that's that's enough. A few more logistical things. Um, so tomorrow uh, in the morning we'll start with 8.30 instructional sitting. At the end of that we'll give instructions on walking meditation. For those of you who are new to that, you know, that's where it's coming. And uh, then at uh, 11 o'clock a walking period, uh, I'll offer a period of uh, posture instruction. And if you've never had instructions in posture, uh, I would encourage you to stay for it, even if you've been meditating for a long time. And uh, and if you would like to come to the posture instruction, but you have a work meditation at 11 o'clock, uh, leave a note for the kitchen, and then we'll they'll try to adjust for it so that they can cover your work. And if you're a, a service practice practice leader sitting up here, uh, there is uh, the schedule is here on the sheet here. And I'd recommend, especially the first day, that you look at this uh, to be sure you have the right time. Because it's not unusual, because some sittings are half an hour long, and then people will wait 45 minutes to hit the bell. And some people, some sittings are 45 minutes long, and some people hit the bell after 30 minutes. So there can be a little confusing. So you can just check, double check the first day and make sure that you, you know where you're at. So the hindrances are sometimes called coverings. The, po the Pali word means covering. And uh, they cover some of the most beautiful and profound aspects of our hearts and minds. And one of them, the, that's a profound thing that's uh, in Buddhist terms, is uh, called the refuges, the triple refuges. And there are people who will reformulate them so they're not so Buddhistic. Um, and, but there's uh, something profound, the heart's capacity for profound sense of being at home, profound sense of trust, profound sense of the recognition of, of something that's really true, the real deep knowing of something. Um, and to take refuge in this deep knowing, take refuge in this deep trust, and, 
this refuge is one of the things that can be very supportive on retreats. And at the beginning of retreat, we do a little ceremony of taking the refuges, reciting the refuges, because we're trying to uh, call upon something that's more than just our own individual effort. Uh, you know, we have our own little control tower place where we try to operate and take care of things and fix things and direct, our, direct the show. And in this practice here that we're doing, you shouldn't have to do something. You have to offer your practice, offer yourself to the practice. But there's so much more that's supporting and unfolding here uh, than uh, just your own individual effort, what you can consciously know of yourself. There's much, your heart's much bigger, your mind is much bigger operating system than what you can possibly know. And this idea of taking refuge in the Buddha Dharma and the Sangha uh, is to take uh, is to realize that you're profoundly supported uh, in the practice by something that's more than just you. And sometimes when things get really difficult in practice and maybe discouraging, you feel like you're up against a wall or something, um, that's the time to take refuge. Sometimes what can bubble up in people's uh, psyche and sitting are some of the very difficult things that we carry from our life. And it's hard to sit with. And then that's the time to remember the refuges, that you are supported, you are loved, you are cared for, you are somehow part of a, of a, a natural capacity of our psychophysical system to self-heal and self-liberate. And, and, uh, and so the, we take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And the dar- I think of the Dharma as the bridge between the Sangha and the Buddha. Uh, the Dharma, I often think, is more central because it's the Dharma which allowed Gotama, the man who became the Buddha, to become the Buddha. He connected to the Dharma. He became the Dharma. He discovered the Dharma. And the Dharma sometimes is defined as being the truth. And that has some uh, validity if we see truth to be not a propositional truth, some idea that this is you know, some statement of what's true but rather it's some real recognition that we're touching into uh, the processes of life that are true at kind of fundamental, almost organic level. And that what's supporting us is the truth of suffering, how suffering and recognizing how suffering happens, and the truth of what brings liberation from suffering. Uh, and to really kind of see this and know this for oneself um, means that no matter where you go, you'll be safe. No matter where you go, uh, you have no occasion to complain about anything ever anymore. So you're willing to get that far? So to take refuge, to realize this dharma for yourself, to take refuge in this beautiful, organic process of truth, of uh, liberation. And then the Buddha is this person who discovered that and really lived that and exemplified it in a full way. When we take refuge in the Buddha, we don't take refuge so much in the person of the Buddha, but we take refuge in our capacity to taste that, touch that awakening, that freedom, that compassion for ourselves. We take refuge that we have that potential, no doubt about it. And as we sit, one of the hindrances you'll discover is doubt. And there'll be lots of doubts about, you know, can I do this? And like, you know, uh, you absolutely can do it. And the Buddha wouldn't have taught if he didn't think that everyone can do it. He exemplifies our potential 
take refuge in the Buddha is to be inspired and trust the potential that we have. And then the other side of the Dharma bridge is the Sangha. And the Sangha are the people that uh, the Buddha first taught to. And so they became a community of people who shared in his understanding and his, his liberation. And, it's, uh, and it's, pa it's passed down through the generations to us. And uh, we're the Sangha now. And uh, we might be, you know, not a perfect Sangha, um, but we are intending to do the best we can. We have a community of people here who are exploring and engaged in this very great noble process of entering into the truth, discovering the truth, and more importantly, being the truth, becoming a true person. You can't become awakened without being a true person. And to be around people and feel the support of people who are trying to do that is beautiful. And then there are people for whom we really have gone, like the Buddha, really have gone deeply through this and have been transformed and changed in important ways. And uh, the forces of greed and hate that lives in them have abated or even disappeared. They have discovered a, a capacity of compassion and freedom. And the larger Sangha that we take refuge in is not the immediate one here, but those people have really witnessed and experienced this transformation and to know that this is possible. All of this lives in you. Now, if you don't care about the Buddhist language, then um, some people, rather than saying taking refuge in the Buddha, they say taking refuge in being awake. Rather than refuge in the Dharma, they say refuge in the truth. Rather than refuge in Sangha, they say refuge in community or in relationship or something like that. Uh, but all this points to that there's something more going on here, as I said earlier, than your individual efforts. Individual efforts are very important, but uh, so much more is supporting you when you're here. And, and so we, we say at the beginning, we do this little ceremony at the beginning of, of taking refuge or evoking the refuge or aligning ourselves with the, the refuges. And in doing so, and there's a nuance of meaning in this that uh, not only do we, t they say take refuge, the literal wor wording in Pali is we go for refuge, we walk to refuge, something we walk into the refuge. The nuance of this is that in doing so, uh, the, the intention is also to, to become a refuge for others, to become someone who's safe for others. And, uh, and uh, so people can, uh, they, people can unwind, relax, open up, be who they are, and so th th everyone has a chance to discover their true nature. And so as we do the refuge, uh, the refuges, you might want to consider that not only are you going for refuge, but you're also making yourself a refuge for others here at the retreat. So we all each other's caretakers or supporters during this time. And one of the ways of doing that is, um, is the commitment that we all have to the five precepts. That's, uh, uh, I, I, have, I, have, I suspect, I mean, I'm pretty confident that, that none of you are going to do anything radically unethical during this week. I don't think any of you are going to kill anybody or steal or engage in sexual misconduct or, you know, you might sometimes in, in interviews, some people a little bit kind of afterwards apologize for it, but I didn't really mean it that way. Um, but people have very high bar, and, and you generally hear about being truthful, and, and you know, I don't think there's going to be any alcohol here. Uh, I hope not. 
And uh, it's the very, you know, I've never known, I've, and once I knew that happened on a, this, one of the retreats here. And, um, uh, but I think the, the ethical kind of life that we're going to have here is going to be pretty high compared to what you read about what people do in the newspapers. I think it's going to be pretty good. Um, however, when we uh, state our commitment to the refuge, to the precepts, um, we're also speak. it's kind of a ritual. And ritual speaks to something deeper inside of us than, you know, what we, what we kind of normally consciously process. The idea that uh, we're in a community of people who are committing themselves to be safe people uh, is a blessing to be under. And uh, many people live with fear. They live uh, for, and they walk with fear, they sit with fear, and, and the idea of really to relax and settle and be able to let go of their deep-seated fear and kind of be here in a very trusting, open way is a great, uh, certainly an aspiration or important potential that we have here on this retreat. And when we say the precepts in English out loud, it's perhaps something that's unconscious about yourself that's going to hear that. It's just going to click, oh yes, not killing, not stealing, no sexual misconduct, no lying, no alcohol. This, you know, oh, this, this supports me. This I recognize as this comes from some really important place of goodness in myself. Generally on retreat, we have a kind of a, a high, high standard for this. So with not killing, it includes not killing insects. Um, not stealing is not taking what is not given, which is kind of a little higher bar. Uh, if it hasn't been offered, then, you know, we don't take it. And um, here at IRC, lots is offered. We have the yogi need closet, there's food, there's food 24 hours a day in the refrigerator that's marked public. So there's plenty of things being offered, but if it's not offered and you, you don't take it, if you, if you somehow feel like it's important to have, you can ask the managers or the teachers and we can let you know if it's if it can be offered. And uh, the sexual misconduct thing is a little bit high, quite a bit higher here on the bar, uh, on the retreat, because um, here we actually uh, it's celibacy for these five, these seven days, and celibacy is a powerful practice in its own right uh, for a sort of mirror of self discovery. Um, but it also creates a real field of safety for people. There's plenty of people in our society, lots and lots of people in our society, who have been uh, deeply, deeply betrayed and hurt through uh, sexuality. And to know that we're in a place where it's somehow sexually safe is a real, for some people, it's just you know, it's a great gift. And so we want to offer that gift, that refuge to people. So this is a place of celibacy. And then the commitment to not lie is a commitment to do our best not to lie, to best to stay truthful. And uh, and since we spend a lot of time in silence, there's not that many opportunities. <coughs> However, uh, the, the one opportunity you do have <coughs> is to lie to yourself. And mindfulness practice is the antidote to, to deceiving oneself or because we're really staying, we're discovering more and more deeply what's really here, what's really going on. And then no alcohol. So those, that's kind of the, the these are, these are they're called the containers or the, the supports or the foundations for our week together. 
I think groups of people need to have some kind of reference point of, of, of shared commitment, shared aspiration, and this is what it is. Some teachers, when they talk about the fourth precept of not lying, uh, they'll include within it the precept of noble silence. The idea that this is a silent retreat, so we don't do, we don't do social conversations with people, uh, social communication, and um, you know it's only functional speech if around work or something like that, but really keep the speaking to a minimum. And and um, in, in recent years, this noble silence goes right up until to this idea of uh, you know not communicating on devices, really keeping keeping the keeping the communication world is really simple. So um, the, the f uh, kind of the formal beginning of the retreat is the chanting of the refuges and then the precepts. And then we will, um, when we finish that, we'll sit in silence again for a little bit. And when I ring the bell, Rooney and I will get up and go, and then you're welcome to also retire for the night. Uh, if you're simply not tired at all, the meditation hall is always open for you, and you can always come here to sit, or you can sit longer if you'd like. And uh, I feel it's a it's a wonderful gift gift for me and for Bruni and me to be able to share this retreat with you. And so, thank you. So let's chant it. So for some of you that might not know this chants, the, the, the Pali, the refuges we do in the ancient Buddhist language of Pali. And um, I'll, I'll, the first time around, I'll do some of the words one word at a time, and then we'll do the whole line, the whole sentence. And then you repeat after me. If I do one word, you repeat. If I do a whole sentence, you repeat. If you don't, don't pick it up, don't worry, because you get full credit for humming along. And it always begins with um, the salutation to the Buddha, it's kind of paying our respect to the Buddha, and and, um, and it's, an, it's a Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arato Samma Sambuddhasa. Um, uh, Namo means kind of like calling out or homage to um, the Buddha, the perfectly enlightened, worthy one. And then uh, the, the refuges are end with the word gachami, which means to walk. And the middle word is saranam, which means refuge. And then um, Buddha Dharma Sangha. And then we'll do it three times. The second time we'll use the word in Pali for, for the second time, tutiyampi. Third time we do it, we'll use the Pali word for third time, tatiyampi. So that's, that's, so that's the words you need to know. Namo. So I repeat after me. Namo. <laughs> I'm the only one who's speaking. <laughs> okay, you repeat after me. Namo. Namo. Tasa. Tasa. Bhagavato. Bhagavato. Aharato. Aharato. Samma Sambuddhasa. Samma Sambuddhasa. Then I'll do the full line, then repeat. 
Namo tasa bhagavato arato samma sambuddhasam Namo tasa bhagavato arato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arato Sama Sambuddhasa Buddham Saranangachami Buddham Saranangachami Namam Saranangachami Namam saranam gachami Sangam saranam gachami Sangam saranam gachami Nutiyampi buddham saranam gachami Dutiyampi buddham saranam gachami Dutiyampi dhammam saranam gachami Dutiyampi dhammam saranam gachami Dutiyampi sangam saranam gachami Dutiyampi sangam saranam gachami Tatiyampi buddham saranam gachami Tatiyampi buddham saranam gachami Tatiyampi dhammam saranam gachami Tatiyampi dhammam saranam gachami Tatiyampi sangam saranam gachami Tatiyampi sangam saranam gachami May our practice during this retreat be for the welfare and happiness and liberation of all beings everywhere. May all beings benefit from our sitting, our walking, our mindfulness, and our kindness. Thank you. And then we'll sit a little bit. <laughs> 